Alright, welcome class. You are now attending Meditation OUS, and I'm your instructor, EA the Yoga. Alright, so now in this class, we're going to just stay focused. I know there's so many things that are happening in your life. You have work, you have your business, you have your project, and just life. But you have to make sure that you remember what your mission is, what your vision is, what your why is, and what you're doing it for. This is so important to make sure that you keep in mind because you want to remain your elite self. Remaining elite is so crucial in terms of your headspace, in terms of your output, in terms of your outcome. Now take a deep breath in. Now release. And let's take a deeper look. This is... This is Open Shop, the podcast, the podcast that documents the journey, 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 the journey of building and launching Open Shop, the small business geo marketplace. Welcome to another episode of Open Up Shop, the podcast. I'm your host, EA Green, and we're here to navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and to conquer these obstacles by just getting started. All right. So if you listen to the skit at the beginning of this episode, you can hear that, you know, with you pursuing your, you know, your entrepreneurial lifestyle, you know, trying to get out of that nine to five and, and work full time doing what you all really have been sent here to do. You know, a lot of things still happen like life just in general. And, you know, when it comes to life, you know, you have to be able to stay focused while being able to manage multiple hats. You know, that could be your family hat, your friend hat, your work hat, you know, along with all of the 12 other hats that you wear, you know, trying to actually, you know, create your business and you know, kind of do different things of that nature. All right. So, you know, kind of getting into this theme, you know, I was able to find a quote I just really kind of looked at in terms of like, when you are trying to stay focused and, you know, things might not necessarily work out. Uh, this is like one of the best things I could find to really kind of kind of help, like summarize that whole thing. And it's not how far you fall, but it's how high you bounce. That's what counts. Right. And that's from Zig Ziglar. All right. So who I brought here today to be able to really be able to talk about, you know, how we can kind of manage things and stay focused as life happens. So who I have here today is Dr. Jalal Hayes. All right. And uh, Dr. Dr. Hayes is a, you know, from my alma mater of Delaware State University, you know, and, you know, I don't want to take his shine. Right. I'm sure he'll definitely kind of really go through all of his, you know, his work and everything that he's been able to accomplish. But one of the main things that, you know, really stands out. But Dr. Hayes is that he is one of the uh, youngest, you know, PhD um, graduates from the Delaware State University. But I'm going to let him, you know, be able to really kind of sell that on himself. And so what's going on, Dr. Hayes? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on your uh, podcast. This is truly an honor. All right. No, no problem, man. It's definitely, you know, really great to have you. You know, definitely appreciate you taking out your time. But, you know, um, you know, let's kind of get into it and, you know, let everybody know a little bit more about yourself. Um, so for those who do not know, my name is Dr. Jalal Hayes, also known as Dr. Jai, my communities and other respective communities. 
Um, I wear a lot of hats. Um, I just acquired a new hat um, that I'm going to talk on briefly, but I like to say that I am a research chemist and an educator um, under those two. Un- I have a lot of hats, but under those two umbrellas, I could say I'm a research chemist and an educator overall. Right. Okay. Basically. All right. So, and, you know, so definitely I want to thank you, like, especially with this theme that we're talking about today in terms of just how to stay focused when life happens, you know, yeah. I definitely can understand like with, you know, everything that you've been able to accomplish and what you are setting out to do, like that is, you know, it takes a lot, you know, you yeah. have to be able to maintain like all your responsibilities. So, I mean, I'm definitely like, you know, super pumped about what this conversation is going to lead to. But before we really kind of get into everything about what we're going to discuss today, Dr. Ja, can you let everybody know what gets you started? Um, basically, um, what gets me started. So I could say when I get up, first of all, my alarm clock, that's just being real. <laughs> right, um, right. I wake up either three o'clock or four 30 in the morning. And after that, um, what I do, I listen to either some meditation some or some music, preferably hip hop, because hip hop get me up and going in the morning, gets me motivated, gets me pumped. And after that, I do some journaling of reflection. So what gets me started is basically, of course, the loud ringing alarm clock. After that, what keeps me going to actually waking up is the music piece, but then allows me to actually start my day is the reflection period. So I sit down and journal right after. So I say, okay. This is why I achieved yesterday. Now, this is what I'm going to do today. Oh. All right. That's awesome, man. You know, we're about to, I feel like this one, this episode is about to be super dope. So uh, let's kind of really get into it. So our theme today is life happens and how do we stay and how do we remain our elite selves? So, you know, before, you know, before we kind of like really get into it, can you let everybody know a little bit more about your origin story, right? How did Dr. Hayes, you know, become to be, you know, you have, you know, created your own business called Elite Universal, like, you know, take us through everything and where, sure. you know, really paint the picture for us. Sure. So when I was growing up, um, I was always, I grew up in North Philadelphia originally and I grew up in a two parent household. My mom and dad were educators. And one of the things that, um, basically got me into the whole concept of education was seeing them navigate education at a young age. Um, my father was gracious enough. He navigated high, started out of the public library, transitioned over to being in higher ed um, libraries, as well as my mother. She did, she did higher ed, but she had a passion for the K to 12. So I had the best of both worlds. My mom was in K to 12. My dad was in higher ed. So Education was a big thing in my family. So seeing them doing the things that they were doing in education and them being librarians and educators, I saw that they had the ability to get information. And information was key, especially at, during a time where um, Google was there, but it wasn't as evolved as it is now, right? Yeah. So when I was growing I up. that day, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was blessed to have um, my family. They were, I guess they call them the human Googlers at the time yeah. where they actually, if I asked them a question, they had the ability to answer or they direct me to information in order to answer. So how did I graduate at a young age? So when I was in the eighth grade, I think I was about 13 at the time. I was, I, I stumbled upon, I had an eighth grade project, science project. 
And one of the science projects was basically asking, the teacher was asking us to say, look, look at a science teacher. I mean, look at a science professional, a science star that nobody knows. Now, that's kind of interesting because anytime I turn to a science star or a science um, person of African-American descent, I always think about George Washington Carver. Right. That's, that's my guy, hands down, George Washington Carver. But when she said somebody that nobody knew, I really had to go deep, deep searching. And so that's why I asked my mom and dad, okay, I need a book of all the scientists. Yeah. And they found a book by Dr. Henry Louis Gates. I remember it was a big book. He edited it. And I flipped through and I stumbled upon this guy named Dr. Jesse Ernest Wilkins Jr. Um, Dr. Jesse Ernest Wilkins Jr., um, a lot of people know Martin Luther King. He graduated at the age of 15 at, from Morehouse College and then PhD at 26 from, I think, Boston College or University of Boston. I know yeah. it's a school up in Boston. Right. But anyway, this, this brother that I read about, he graduated high school at 13. Wow. Now, I'm 13 at the time. So that was amazing to me. And on top of that, he graduated with his PhD, I think, either 19, 20, or 21. It's, it's three different dates because three yeah. different – I got to get it clear, but I know it was three different dates. He was in 19, 20, and 21. Uh -huh. But him getting his PhD so young from the University of Chicago was big to me. Why well, was big to me? Because I related to his story so well in the sense that he was born in Chicago. Yeah. I was born in Chicago. Okay. His family were educators. My family were educated. His mom was a school teacher. His dad was the first guy to be in the cabinet with President Eisenhower. So when I saw that correlation, except for like one little thing, he motivated me to start my own journey. But the thing was, I didn't know how to start my own journey until I got presented with an opposition during my high school career, which turned into an opportunity. And that's how I graduated at two years later at 15 and then three years later with that same story in my mind giving me that burning desire i was able to finish 18 and then after 18 went to delaware state university and made history becoming the youngest phd to ever do it at delaware state university but here's the funny part my mentor looked it up in court to the national academy of science I'm not just the, only, the youngest at Delaware State University. I'm the youngest in America thus far. Wow. So I'm the, only, so I'm the youngest person to ever hold my uh, degree, which is a PhD in applied chemistry. Wow. Man, that is dope. That's dope. And it's just, it's so funny how, you know, the, I guess you find that motivation in like the weirdest places, right? So, yeah. you know, you were just doing an assignment, you know, it may, I don't know, like, you know, me at 13, yeah. I'm just doing whatever I can to just, you know, to try to get that B or that A, you yeah. know, and then, you know, but that was like a catalyst for you to just, you know, yeah. really kind of jump shoot everything for you. Absolutely. Right. So now that after, you know, you became a doctor and, you know, and you're, you know, now you're pursuing your career at such a you know young age, you know, how did you get into, you know, what is now known as Elite Universal? So the interesting thing is Elite Universal was started while I was at Delaware State University. OK. Um, Elite Universal was started in August 12, 2014. And 
I started in my apartment because one thing I realized after I came back from a conference that I went to during my doctoral studies, I saw that there weren't a lot of African-Americans in the top. So I went to a con- conference that was, they said was the cream of the crop. And I was blessed to get a fellowship to go to the conference. So I went there um, at a reduced rate with my mentor and with my colleague. And one thing I noticed was there were a lot of nationalities, but a lot of those nationalities weren't African descent. Okay. So basically there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and you. Yeah. So when I saw that, I realized, and I asked my mentor, yo, what's going on as we getting up in ranks? there's not a lot of people looking like me and no, I was 20 at the time. So I didn't understand it. And my professor was telling me, well, they either, a lot of people, uh, basically black people, they're not interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, or science, particularly in chemistry. They, they rather go into social sciences or they are locked up in prison. So I had a problem with that because I knew a lot of people from my neighborhood who was very interested in science, but they just didn't have the opportunity that I had to yeah. finish early or just when they got into school, they was discouraged and they said, screw this. I'm just going over to the other side, which is nothing wrong with that. I understand. So I felt it was my, it was imperative for me when I came back into the States, how can I try to motivate black and brown people? to get into science, technology, engineering, mathematics with the integration of arts, if we're talking about STEAM. And the best way I did that was through my entrepreneurial pursuits, which was Elite Universal Network. So I started out, I didn't, to tell y'all guys, you just the whole motivation, just do it. I didn't have an LLC yet because one thing I had to learn, and this is what I did with all my businesses prior to um, Elite, I try to test the market out. Yeah. So what I did was I just said, it's called Elite Universal. All right. Now I know the name. This is what we're going to do. Let's see what I can do. So I'm not going to lie. I was trying to get in any and everything because yeah. I was my whole mindset was just trying to make money. Yeah, exactly. So, so I did right. tutoring. So I knew tutoring off the back of my hand. I was tutoring since I was nine years old. So I said, OK, we're going to do STEM tutoring. So I did STEM tutoring. And it was it was doing good for a while. But when I started putting people in position, I realized they didn't have the same, quote unquote, vision that I had. And the reason why I say, quote unquote, because technically I didn't even have no vision. My vision was just trying to make money. Yeah. So if the core of the company vision is just make money. That means the people around you or your quote unquote employees or your workers going to just think, let's just get money. Yeah. There's no real conversation. Right. And so I realized that it failed for a little while. So I had a lot of failures, but I was determined and not giving up. So when I fa- finally found my niche and actually sat down and started planning out the vision, start planning out the objectives, that's when everything started turning around for me in my phone. Okay. All right. That's dope. All right. So now, you know, now that you're kind of like full steam into this, so, so it's about more about like around four years or so, about four or five years. That yeah, you're about to hit five years next Monday. Okay, yeah, that's dope. All right, so how uh, important is having a vision, you know, for like your business, right? In terms of being able to stay focused on that, how important having, is your vision? Having a vision is very, very, very important. A vision is like you can let, let's say 
a vision is very important because I believe a vision is like a destination to where you're driving to, right? Yeah. Like the ultimate destination, right? So let's say you hopping in a car. You need to know where you're going, right? You're not, you don't want to just drive around or you're wasting gas. Exactly. But unfortunately, you see a lot of entrepreneurs who are starting out, they're doing it. They're saying they have a company, which is the car. They, they got a brand new company, brand new car. Everybody's excited for them, but there's no real destination. Yeah. So they just happy to have a car. Yeah. Or they just happy to have a company. Because now I'm an entrepreneur, now I got a company. But when you're really trying to be successful, you really have to start setting some benchmarks. And what I did, what the vision or the importance of the vision, the vision is like setting in your GPS where you truly want to go in the end. And that vision can be a two-year vision. It can be a five-year vision. It can be a 10-year vision. Whatever vision you have, it just has to be a destination on where you're trying to go. So I believe having a vision is very, very important. And the vision cannot be making money. That's obvious. We all got LLC. Of course, that's the goal. Make profits and lower expenses. That's, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. The vision has to be something more than money. And it has to be something on an influential and impactful wave in terms of, okay, even though we got the money, how did I get the money? Oh, right? Yeah. So in getting the money, that's where the impact is at. And if we get an impact, I can have the ability to what? Make more money. Exactly. Because I will got more impact. Right. Okay. All right. So, you know, so now the fact that you, you know, you've created your vision on that, like, you know, on what you're looking to do, like, how do you measure on that success? Right. And then when you measure it, you know, how do you, I guess, again, stay focused on, you know, because things happen over time, right? You'll have yeah. your vision, you'll look at, I'm sure it's like a ever growing or ever evolving type of a vision, you know, as time goes on, right? So how do you measure your success against that vision? You know, something that may have happened in the past, you know, when you first started it out versus now that you're actually doing the work and things might have changed. So how do I measure the vision? So well, first how do you measure of all, the success of, the, of your vision? How do I measure the success of my vision? Yes. So my first of all, the vision has to I'm a I'm a science guy. So the vision has to be clear cut and simple for me. So my company's vision is in the logo. Elite Universal, we make steam simple and the adding part inaccessible. So how do I measure that? So making it simple. How can I make it simple? What's the best way of making it simple? I can make it simple through teaching it. I tried that first through the tutoring. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one. So I saw that we was successful in the making it simple through teaching it through tutoring. But also, how do we make it simple if I'm not teaching? That's where the curriculum comes in. So my curriculum had to be my my curriculum and the execution of that curriculum had to be so simplistic to the person that is buying it or the person that is using it to the point where they are, they, they using the curriculum in a sense that they're not even science inclined, but whatever they reading, they can understand it. So they can explain it to yeah. their customer or their student. Right. So I measure that through um, doing a survey or just checking in. So I remember I had, I just designed a curriculum for a camp not too long ago. And I just checked in after the halfway mark. Cause I knew they was on week four. And I asked them, how, how's it going? How everything going for your um, STEAM program? And 
they told me, they were just honest with me. They was like, it's, it's real simple. We enjoy it. But there's some pieces that the vocabulary is not right. So I said, tell me, what's the, what, where's the pieces that the vocabulary there is not right? So I went and checked, and I saw there was a big word there, and the target audience that they were hitting were K to five, kindergarten to fifth grade. Okay. And that's not a, and that's not a fifth grade word. Right. It's more like a 12th grade word, right? Yes. So yeah, right, I had right. to actually sit down and figure out and do the research and see, okay, if my market is K to five, what, what do K to five students say? Yeah. And when I got and did my research and saw what that's the lingo that they use, I just simply translated so that when I give it back to them, they be able to move successfully in that. Right. So I do a simple check-in. Um, if I don't do a simple check-in after the program, I send them a, a, um, a survey or rubric check-in um, four, four, three, two, one, seeing four is outstanding, three is okay, two is neutral, and then one is very bad. And I try to check and see, okay, what can we do to make it better? Because again, my vision is making STEAM simple. Now, accessibility part, that's the showcases. So I measure, okay, how many shows I'm doing or how many workshops I'm doing per year to make sure that I'm hitting these markets to what? Making it accessible to people. Okay. Um, So so just last week, I just hit DC. Um, The week, a top of the last month, I hit... um, UD University of Delaware. Yeah. Um, I think two months ago I hit Philly. So I'm checking in based off of the region I'm in. Yeah. Before I go to um national because you got to start small. Yeah, of course. So I started in my state and then now regional. Yeah. So now regional, I'm checking in the regions to see am I'm hitting no hitting the region that I'm at to say that I made steam assessment. Okay. So. As you see, it it looks like a lot, but it's all tailoring to making Steam simple and accessible. Okay, so so if to recap, so what it seems like is that you establish a feedback loop like very early, right? So you you know you created what you believe was not necessarily the perfect product, but what would be you know tolerable, right? I always say tolerable because you know it's never perfect. It's always what your end user can actually you know digest and actually able to use. So you you know. So since it's a um, a course or, you know, there's like a curriculum, you know, that, you know, it might take, you know, eight weeks to kind of go through. You just checked in midway through to kind of see if things are, you know, working out as intended. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, do you do that every single time, you know, or do every, you? I have to do it every time because here again, that's how much I believe in my vision. And I make sure I want to make sure the vision is executed. Yeah. And. I, I do that because as a startup is very pivotal. And I, and I understood that, especially in these first five years, because you know, the statistics yeah, in business, right. the first three to four years is really seeing if you really going to be in business for exactly. a long time. Right. Exactly. So I, so I make sure if it's just me or it's my team, cause I have a team of uh, four to five people, okay. but I make sure that we, no matter what happens, even if we think our product is the bomb, we have to make sure that we check in with our customers and see if they are happy. Right. Because if they're not happy, we can't be happy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I make sure that what, when I do these curriculums, these programs, even the workshop, even the showcases, everybody is excited. But again, I want to see those testimonials turn around faster than ever because of the fact that 
not only I'm measuring your, I'm measuring excitement based off your reactions or what I'm doing, but I also want to see deep down, am I really solving a problem? Not just for you, not just for me. Because when I talk to my customers and when I deal with my customers, now we have a shared vision. Yeah. Because although I'm saying I'm making Steam simple and accessible, I got to see where my making Steam simple and accessible is going to be applicable to what you're trying to do. Okay. And so that's how, and, and that's why the feedback loop might be different from everybody yeah. because we got different, even though I got my vision, I can't say, well, this is what I do. No, it's about this is what we do. Okay. And that's how I establish no partnerships. And they might be different. Like some people may not like paper, so I do the check-in. Some people, they, they don't talk too much. So I do the survey yeah. right after. Yeah. So it, it depends on who you're dealing with. Okay. So it's just more important that for you to just get as much feedback as you possibly can. Right. Correct. And then, so now how, when, after you get that feedback, uh, and you did mention that one, that one piece where you said that you had to kind of translate a word for, to kind of simplify it for the, yeah. you know, for that group that was dealing with that. So what yeah. are some other, what are some other things that you use from feedback you know, to be able to make any changes, any examples that you, other, excuse me, any other examples that you might have? Well, I remember when I first started out, I, I was born, I was born and I'm not even going to lie. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, especially from my first showcase. Um, I was, I remember one that time when we did a showcase back for a community center mm-hmm. and we was making slime and it was it was cool, but I realized some of the kids were getting mad because they didn't get a chance to make slime. Okay. And I've realized all, and, and that's just something that may be minute to somebody, but to me, that's big. I'm like, okay, I got to be oversupplied. And, and so somebody tell me like the last gig we had, we had a hundred, they said, we're going to have a hundred kids come through and they want to do um, a steam session. So I told me, my assistant, okay, instead of 100, we got to prepare for 110. Yeah. And that's from just experience. Yeah, You know, exactly. just experience doing it. And she was like, but they said 100. I said, trust me. I know I, I've been, and that's helped me, I think, also being in education. Mm. When you, when they say 100, especially dealing with um, African-American communities, when they say 100, they probably going to push 105, right, right. maybe 115. So I want to make sure I at least had 110. Yeah. I just know just from teaching in the uh, public school. Right. That's what they do. So yeah. that's why I now oversupply. I'd rather oversupply than undersupply because when you oversupply, especially with a fun activity, kids' reactions is not going to be good. And yeah. when you don't have kids' reactions good, the experience is not going to be good for everybody else. Right. Because exactly. of the whole pedagogy thing, when you do education, that kid going to be disturbing. And I don't, I don't, I want to make sure it's a cohesive environment that yeah. everybody has one. So that was the one thing I saw um, that I had to tweet. And that was from my, early, like, that was like, what, three years ago? Uh-huh. Like, I had those, I had that problem, I had that situation. And on top of that, the boring piece, I wasn't speaking the way I, I speak now. Okay. I wasn't being myself. So, you know, you fresh out of PhD. You yeah. got all this vernacular, all yeah. these big words. You so used to doing it, right? Because you you yeah. have to, right? Like you, that yeah. is the, the space that you're in. So you exactly. know, so all the, I'm sure all the papers you had to write, like you had to be very formal. You know, had to use all the jargon and stuff like that. So I could definitely understand, like where 
you know, that stuff doesn't translate to everybody else, right? Because now you're trying to, you know, you're trying exactly. to get people to get towards like your level. Like you're trying to raise their, you know, their aptitude up about these certain things. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely know. I've, I've, come, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm, I'm currently like, you know, trying to find the, the proper voice, you know, because, uh, you yeah. know, I, like people, like, I, I kind of want to be able to create that sense of, you know, I want, you, I want to be, com- people to be comfortable around me but I want people to actually respect what I have to say. Right. Exactly. And you know, there's ways that you, you got to be able to switch coats and stuff like that. And I'm, and I'm constantly like, you know, doing like minor experiments. Like when I interact with certain people or different crowds, like I just try to try different things to see, That's the best way. you know, so I could just find that, that pocket that I really like and to be able to really kind of keep it pushing forward. Exactly. And that's, and that's basically the best way. Um, I know for me, that's what happened with me. I basically just had to experiment. So mm-hmm. when I came fresh out of my uh, doctoral program, I was using a lot of big words and big jargon. And I realized the, the, the environment I was in is in education. Yeah. And I'm not in the um, chemistry realm no more. I'm in education. So in education, they believe in scaffolding. You got to start from the bottom, then build up the kid. Okay. Where I, w- I was so high. Yeah. That I didn't I was like start from the bottom, like they's like, yeah, like A, B, C, one, two, three. Right, right, and right. I was like, All right. wow. So it, it took it took a while for me to get to that position and then able to scaffold and build the kids' vocabulary up. But I'm glad I did because yeah. now I can be well versed in both arenas, right? Yeah. So and it helps me, and this is for business too, it helps me go in different markets. Right. Because that's how I look at education. Education is like the teacher is the CEO, the students are the markets that you're talking to. Right. So I started out at, I started on a high school market, right? So high school market, I started understanding the psychology of how high school kids move and what they're interested in and how they react to um, teacher, teacher and student engagement. Yeah. So I, I, I studied that. And then I worked with little kids. So I watched how they did teacher and student engagement, what they like. And then I did middle school and I seen the same thing. So by the time I was able to get to where I'm at now, I had the experience of working with different kids. And then on top of that, go still do my science because you got, and that's another thing, even though you're doing that, you still have to stay sharp on what you got your PhD for. Yeah. And so that's why I did the, my Oxford University gig. It was not just about, ooh, I'm going to Oxford. It was, I have to stay sharp in that as well. Okay, hold I'm, on. I'm hold going on. To... Before, before, I don't, I don't want to like kind of just jump over that. So, yeah. so you were in, you were in Oxford? Like, you just kind of threw that out there. <laughs> like, yeah, so, let us know so, about that. Early, so earlier this year, um, I was, I was thankful to be a keynote speaker at a comp, uh, applied energy conference in the University of Oxford. Okay. So I was I had opportunity to speak um, basically renewable talk about my topics of renewable energy uh, in the United States today um, and how and how we're doing in terms of the climate and how we need to change based off of what's going on. So that's dope. That's so I just did basically a, a review on what's happening now and how we can move forward um, in the near future. Okay, um, basically in the United States, but I was one of the I think. I think it was like five people, one or four or five people out of the United States that was granted to go over to uh, Oxford and speak on that topic. 
That's dope. And yeah. one, one reason why I did that was because here again, I had to show my scientific community. I'm still sharp and I can do this. Yeah. So it's like that. That's the balance that I had to do as the research chemist and the educator. Like I was handling everything as an educator, as an entrepreneur, but I need to also show for the research chemist side, I can still do what I do. Yeah. Okay. Because this is what I got my degree in. This is why y'all mentioned me as a doc. Okay. All right. So uh, that was, that was really great. That was really insightful. All right. Yeah. So, so doc, so what we're going to do, um, you know, I want to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to wrap things up. All right. Okay. And we're back. All right. So what we're going to do now is that we are going to wrap up this episode and we're going to get into the next segment called Concept Startup Growth. Now, Dr. Jod, what this segment is just kind of really serves as a place to be able to give some actual advice and to really uh, to summarize the things that we talked about in the first half of the show. You know, and, you know, what we're really going to kind of focus on is about how life happens and then how do we actually remain our elite selves. So this section is broke up into three parts uh, called concept startup growth. You know, we go into the planning, executing and the adaption or adaptation of, you know, how to complete that. So first, we're going to start with concept. So when someone is trying to, you know, kind of have that balance to be able to remain focused about what they're trying to accomplish, what are some uh, ideas or some things that you might really kind of tell someone to be able to do that? So the thing I would tell them, um, I always refer to the brand of elite. Um, elite is an acronym for it. everyone lo- learns why through experience. And then the next one is exposure leads you towards excellence. So the first thing I would say whenever you try to um, plan is exposure. Um, if you want to be in a position, we live in an area. If you want to be in a certain position, you want to make a certain type of money. Look for that person that makes that type of money or more. And and we ain't living in an internet generation. Right. So we living in an internet where you just Google that person, and this is something I do. I watch their podcast, and I take the things that the little things that they're saying. Yeah. Like, like Eric Thomas said, I wake up three o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. Um, another um, billion, I think billionaire Warren Buffett says, I just spend six hours of reading. Now, you may not have that time, but you may have that time on Saturday. Yeah. So you just spend six hours of reading once a month, just reading whatever content that you in and, and try to get as much as you can in that specialty field that you're trying to dominate in. And you plan that way. Right. Because okay. the blueprint is right there. It's, 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 it's nothing else. Like we, I, I can I have a blueprint, but my blueprint is a mixture of a lot of billionaires and millionaires I look at. Okay. That makes so, sense. That so makes that's sense. why I say for for those just create your own by looking at the people that are in the position you want to be. And in the today's world, people say, Well, we need mentorship. Those can be your mentor. They ain't gotta be directly in your ear telling you, you can do this, do do that. You can the time that when you get to that point, you're going to get to that point where you start going to conferences. And that's when you start making a little bit more money yeah. and you can start affording yourself to go to like, I know me and you was at the uh, BYOB conference. Right. So we go somewhere like that, or you can go in another conference that's for, suited to your field. And you talk to those experts, if you got the ability to, 
and get the answers that you need directly that helps you take it to another level. But the first thing is exposure. Look at the person or the people that you want to become or the money that they make in and start taking little notes from there. Okay. All right. So now we're going to get into the startup phase. So when they, you know, started to kind of create that plan, you know, kind of starting to get in that exposure about how they really want to be able to stay focused. Like, how would you or what advice would you give in terms of executing that? Executing that? Um, I'm going to just do it, guys. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I'm, I, I just go out. I just do it. Because I believe if you think too much, you're not going to do it. But okay. if you, so, you got to have a, a sense of what you're doing. So it's got to be a balance of you can't jump, just, just jump out there and you don't have no plan. You don't have no, I mean, you don't have no vision, but yeah. you can't have all the stuff written down and you do absolutely nothing. Right. So you got to at least have a target you're trying to hit and have a sense of how you're going to hit it and just try them out. So that, that's what I would suggest, um, basically, for the entrepreneur there now. And be okay to fail. That's that's I think that's that's how the best way I do it. Okay. Okay. All right. And then now we're gonna get into growth. So now this is when you're talking about adapting. So, yeah. you know, this is for when, you know, they're going through this and maybe they hit that uh that obstacle. Like how would you really kind of, you know, let them know that hey, when you when you are running into something that you really just can't get over, you know, you might say, This is what you should do. All right. So I remember when I hit my first big obstacle, somebody very, very close to me told me to shut down my company, right? And this was and this was three years ago. Yep, this was three years ago. Somebody very, very close to me told me to uh, shut down my company because I think you, you're investing too much. You ain't doing a lot. I just had the faith to keep, keep going. Uh-huh. Um... You you strengthen that faith unless you're spiritual. You can talk to God. If you're not spiritual, find the, your why. So everyone learns why through experiences. Find your why on why you started in the first place, and and check was it about the money or was it bigger than the money? And if it's bigger than the money, what was that big piece other than compensation that got you driven? That got you actually in those ideas. And once you go back to that, you'll be able to succeed. So that's that's my philosophy, but let's make it practical, right? So BET, Black Entertainment Television, right? BET had a, a situation where, you know, it wasn't doing good with rape. But mm-hmm. now it's on an up and rise. Why? They went back to their why. What was their why? Why did they start BET? For Black Entertainment, the, yeah. For black entertainment, for the black market, right? The young black market, right? Yes. So if you've seen for people who are watching and how they, they ratings are getting back up, they investing in the young black entertainment. That's that was their why when they started BET. Yeah. So look at that. Transition over. Yeah. If 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 you remember your why, like your foundational why on why you started it. And it was other than just making money. You can always find a way to, to, to get back up. You, you always find a way to, to navigate. And that goes, your why is in your vision, your vision state. So 
you may not have the steps, but your vision statement or your mission statement got to be on point. It got to be on point. If it's not on point, when you hit that blow and you don't have no vision and mission, you might as well pack it up. Wow. Wow. All right, man. So yeah, that was dope. Uh, so that was uh, concept yeah. startup growth. You know, when it comes to about how life happens and how do we remain our elite selves. All right, so Dr. John. So now we're going to get into the next segment, the last segment of Open Up Shop. And to be honest, man, it is definitely my favorite one. So this is <laughs> hashtag Comfort Zone Killer, which is a social media call to action. You know, and this is what we're going to use for listeners. You know, so that they can be able to get that extra push when they're going through the week until the next episode of open up shop. So, uh, man, take us home. What do you got for us? Um, in regards to, um, social media, like a hashtag they should follow or no. So, you know, uh, so basically, you know, we, you know, put some, we put some stuff out to kind of say like, Hey, you know, we know that a lot of times people are on social media, you know, trying to, you know, kind of get that extra motivation. So this is something that, you know, we'll push out on behalf on your, on your behalf. To basically let them know, like, hey, like, this is what you should really kind of push for, you know, if you're looking, you know, to kind of get that extra, the extra push just to get started. Um, just to get started, if if you want to just understand, and and this is a quote I live by, um, just to get started. If you want to be the, if if you can't be the first, be the best. If you can't be the best, be the first. This is a quote that I that carried me throughout the whole time. Um, through anything I get into. So in the market we live in today, it's hard to be the first because everybody's starting something, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's every, every market, even my market, is oversaturated. Yeah. So you, you got to be the best. What makes you different? And what makes you different, you got to find people that are like you. So when I'm on social media, I find people that are like me in the Steam, um, in, in the Steam market. And if there's not a lot and in my market is probably very few. So that's where I know I can thrive and dominate it. Now in your markets, if there's somebody like you and if they got, and then they, and if they're approachable, just reach them right? Um, and, and just feed off of them and just have build a mastermind. But if not, that's, that's your difference. But yeah. that difference going to make your, that's going to make you who you are and make your income drive up. Right. So, so you got to look at things on a positive way. If there's somebody like you, have a conversation with them. If not, dominate. Right. A lot of people underestimate the power of the DM. Like I've, like oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I've just <laughs> become like a true believer. Like earlier this year, like I just realized, like it just, you know, because I don't know, like DMs just kind of got like a real bad rap real early because of course they were misused, and yeah. you know, but now you know that is. I've gotten deals done, you know, I've yeah. made introductions where it's kind of stemmed into other things. So, yeah. you know, now I, I, I kind of like, you know, was kind of looking at it sideways, like, man, I'm not really sure how, you know, it just felt too informal, but yeah. you know, some people are, you know, they read that before they read an email. Right. All right. So, so Dr. Ja, I, mean, I really want to thank you, you know, for taking your time, you know, today, you know, I'm, I'm sure yeah. you're very, very busy, you know, uh, you know, so I really do appreciate you taking the time out to, you know, talk to us more about, you know, Elite Universal and what you're doing. All right. But, you know, can you let everyone know where they can find out more about you or Elite Universal, anything else that you might be having going on? 
Sure. So you can find a lot about me and my upcoming projects at my personal social media. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. J-A-H-A-Y-E-S. I mean, yeah, Dr. J-A-H-A-Y-E-S or Dr. J-A-Y-E-S. Um, you, can fo- you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, for my company, Elite Universal, you can follow us at E-L-Y-T-E, the letter U, Network. Again, letter E-L-Y-T-E, letter U, Network. And you can um, find us on our website at www.elyte, the letter U, Network.com. Um, that's where you can see straightforward. That's a simplified website where our, our vision there, our mission is there how we get it done through our four pillars and you can contact us. Okay. All right. So, you know, uh, I really do pride myself being able to try to find some uh, exclusives, even though technically you announced it before you got here. Uh, can you let everybody know about uh, your documentary? Sure. So my team and I, um, through the division of elite films, which is a division of elite universe is we're releasing a documentary through a partnership, a Delaware state, um, partnership is a team of four guys, all of us from um, Delaware State University. Dope. And I'm glad to see people. I'm glad to, to see everybody working <laughs> together, man. That's dope. So we put together a team, um, my producers, as well as the executive producers. We sat down, we producing my documentary, which is called Exploding Dreams, a Steam Story. It is a come up with a story of myself. Um, I briefly talked about my journey, but you can actually see it through the documentary. Um, coming soon. If you're not a movie person, you can read my book, Growing Up Great, A Roadmap to Giving, Receiving, Expecting, Achieving, and Teaching, which is basically like a biography, which the film is based off of. Okay. So if you don't like, if you don't like movies, you can read the book. If you don't like reading, we got the movie coming soon. Man, you are, yeah, you're, <laughs> like, you have it all together. Like, that's super dope, man. Right, like, you, man. <laughs> like, you, like, you understand, like, the, the, the bigger thing. So, you know, you know, we'll definitely, you know, be keeping in touch. You know, I yeah. definitely will be supporting, you know, pushing that as soon as, you know, as soon as we get word about you know, what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna definitely let you know the release date. Like I said, it's, it's, it's my first time in it being an executive producer. So, and, I, I don't like titles, but that's what it is. It's just yeah, it's just it a lot of moving parts. It is so, what it is. So I basically got to sit down with the team and see where we're going to move ahead. But I'm definitely going to let you know when we have an official release date. All right. Awesome. All right. Again, I appreciate your time. No, thank you so much, man. All right. So now, listeners, tune in next week for your weekly dose of Make It Happen. But in the meantime, you can learn more about my journey by following me at EA The Exec and learn more about OpenShop at OpenShop US and at OpenShop.com. Or if you're in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, you can visit me at the Open Media Lab at 301 North Main Street in downtown Winston-Salem. And you can follow us on all platforms at the Open Media Lab. All right, now go get your journey started and build your idea, project, or business. But just remember, all you have to do is open up shop. Peace.